0: Hi! you found the Out of the Ordinary Podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary
1: life. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And a few of our favorite ordinary things in this extraordinary time of global quarantine are FaceTiming with long-distance friends, the smell of fresh sheets, and all those overdue library books I have that have now had their fines waived.
0: And Lisa Joe, mine are headphones, four pairs on four kids, the internet, which is keeping us connected, and my seedlings, my baby seeds, under grow lights in the basement. Friends, may you find joy in today's conversation. Get comfy. Here we go. Lisa Joe, I think the thing I want our listeners to know about these podcasts this morning is that. We share them on Wednesdays, but we don't record them that day, right? They're not immediate. (laughs) We have to have some help um, editing them, putting them together. And so we get together normally and we record, we have conversations, we record several podcasts. During this crazy, unusual time of quarantine, you and I are recording uh, virtually, just like everyone else is having their meetings (laughs) on Zoom. Right. It's
1: a virtual black bar. That's right.
0: So you and I are looking at each other through our computers on Skype and the great thing about that I'm realizing Lisa Joe is that we're not we're not having several conversations at the same time we're just having one by one week by week which I think is really great right now with so much happening around the globe so much happening for everyone in the whole world as we face this virus pandemic we're able week by week I think to respond to what's actually happening more or less and I, this is what i mean i know last week when we talked you and i said oh my goodness next week we're going to share stories from our community we're looking for funny and hopeful and that that's what it's all going to be about and then you and i sat down here across from each other <laughs> through our computers and basically shared that we don't feel funny or hopeful <laughs> One of us cried. (laughs) One of us (laughs) (laughs) cried. We won't say who. Actually, maybe both of us cried. (laughs) And that's where we are because this is hard stuff we're living through. And you and I have people in our lives we're really worried for. And it feels hard and it feels heavy. And trying to keep up with our work while schooling our kids and having them home. And it is all really, really hard. And yet, our listeners have blessed us with their stories, and we do have stories to share today. So, Lisa-Jo, I guess this is just me saying, I kind of don't know what's about to happen. <laughs> I don't I know. I like that.
1: And I think part of what we always want you to know is the conversations you get are 100% authentic. And so, before we began recording, we both were just sitting here almost in silence, not <laughs> sure how to begin. And, and I said to Christy, are are we okay? Like, what's happening? (laughs) And she said, I think it's because we don't feel funny. And it was such a relief to say that out loud and say, oh, today we feel heavy and sad. The weight of the world feels hard. Today we just got the news the U.S. has the most cases of infections in the globe. And I woke up to that news because it was from a text message from my sister in South Africa. And she sent me a screenshot of those stats and they were worried about us. And And then I was worried about my dad, who's 73, and still seeing patients at his medical practice in South Africa. So he's on the front lines in every possible way. And we were worrying about him the way daughters do, trying to control his life and his decisions (laughs) just in our text conversation this morning. And so it's good to just recognize that with Christy and realize that's where we're at today. And yet, at the same time... When we started reading through the messages people had sent us, and they've been sent via email, via social messaging, there was something really powerful about us getting to hold on to your stories this week, that your stories are providing comfort to us. And how wonderful that's what a body does, right? Some days, some part of the body carries the other parts. And Mm -hmm. we're just so grateful for this community and for the beautiful encouragement that you sent. Some of your stories are funny and crazy Mm -hmm. and ridiculous. Some of them are hard and sad, like our stories have been. And some of them really are holy, as you talk about how people are still trying to connect with one another. So We'll do our best trying to share a little mix of that today, and we just wanted to tell you thank you to everybody who took the time to share with us what your ordinary looks like in the middle of these extraordinary times.
0: Mm -hmm. I really, this isn't even, I don't know if it's a story, it's more of an anecdote, but for some reason I just feel like I want to begin here because um, one of the weirder things to me about this whole experience is that my life and my family life and my children's lives is really revolving
1: around food right now. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Why do they have to eat so many times a day, Christy? I feel like I just let them go feral by the evening. Like I'm just like, whatever's in the fridge, good luck with that.
0: Yeah, it's funny. So I feel like we could tell a lot of stories around that, but I appreciate this one from our community member, Erin. She says, I only buy chocolate milk for my kids as a treat. (laughs) Oh, I've got a lot of things right now to say about (laughs) treats. But okay, I only buy chocolate milk for my kids as a treat. Well, I bought some before the lockdown and then accidentally proceeded to pour it on their cereal. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like win, win, win for
1: all the kids in that situation.
0: Oh, my goodness. It's all about food right now. And I feel like all the negotiating I'm doing with my kids about (laughs) school or sticking to some kind of schedule or getting up before 10 a.m. for my teenagers It's like the the prize is uh, the food, food. You I will feed you these foods and then it's why did you eat these foods? And I just stepped. I did that horrible thing walking up here to record with you where I um just sort of tiptoed through the family room trying to keep quiet. It's still early. And oh, I swear crunched like half a box of Cheerios <laughs> under my feet and you know how they do that little yes. snap. The little Cheerios cereals, yes. they snap under your feet and you know i into all. Yes, I've got all kinds of Cheerio dust to clean up now. So <laughs> that's how we're living over here. I don't know. <laughs>
1: oh, I just literally had a big exhale. I feel so relieved you feel the same way. I just assume it's people like me who are bad cooks generally. Who are <laughs> really, I assume that there are these other moms just skipping through their kitchens with the joy of cooking three times a day. <laughs>
0: It's funny what constitutes a victory these days, too, because John and I, earlier this week, we had done a little meal planning. We had, like, maybe two or three meals that we thought, okay, this is something we can make this week. And we never, you know, we can't stretch ourselves to meal plan for a whole week, even though we know we're not really supposed to go to the grocery store more than once a week. But we at least, we thought, well, if we have a decent dinner for these two nights in a row, then, yeah, the kids can eat the Cheerios for dinner the next night. Right. And we did, we ended up because, so one meal I had planned was a beef stew that I didn't realize you had to marinate the meat like for 24 (laughs) hours, right? So that was supposed to be our dinner. So I realized that. It was a panic. John came to the rescue and said, I think I can make the other meal we planned. Um, So I'll just start working on that. So we ended up making dinner side by side. So I worked on the beef stew thing, knowing it wouldn't be ready till the next day, while he worked on the other meal we had planned. And we we stood there realizing, hey, we're here together. We're catching up. This is what constitutes like a date night now. And we're making two dinners at the same time, <laughs> which means that tomorrow no one has to make dinner. <laughs> and oh, we thought, raining. this, we're gonna, let's do this again. Like, let's do this oh, every week. Man. Okay, we haven't done it again. But I still think if you could make it work, like that's a really good, if you're all home, why not? Partners, make dinner together, husband and wife, or roommates, or whoever you've got around you, make dinner together, make two at once. And then the next day, ah, dinner's already in the fridge. <laughs>
1: Awesome. I do. I have had that sense of victory when we had been at the store last week and bought a big pack of ground beef. I had the momentary victory because we cooked all of it. And then one night used it for tacos. And then the next night I made shepherd's pie. And I was so nice. proud of myself. I was like, look at me. I kept telling my whole family, look at me. I cooked two meals. Two nice. Meals out of one. Oh, so good.
0: Lisa Jo, I <laughs> oh, also really funny. relate to this sort of food related one from Laura. She said at the Start of the quarantine, I carefully meal planned and stocked up on groceries. I felt prepared. Laura, I can relate. The very next day, my husband left the house suddenly over his lunch break because he felt we needed a couple more grocery items. What were the two items he felt we so desperately (laughs) needed? Soda and ramen noodles. (laughs) (laughs) And he wasn't able to find ramen, so he bought a can of soup that we already had in our pantry. The kids are doing great, but my husband is going a little nuts not being able to pop over to the store whenever he wants something. Laura, this is what is happening in my house. I am married to an Enneagram 7 joy-loving extrovert. His favorite thing is to pop out to the store for just one (laughs) or two things and have a meaningful conversation with the checkout clerk. And I have had to ration him. I've had to tell him, no, no, I'm not letting you go today. You cannot go today make it to tomorrow. Just can you make it to tomorrow? (laughs) And it's so hard for it's so hard for him. Poor John. <laughs> oh, man.
1: I think there is something about the husbands who are venturing out. Like it's somehow we've reverted to, you know, those cultures, the hunter-gatherer, the hunter-gatherer culture yes. where <laughs> like, your husband goes out to forage. Yes. One of the things that made me laugh so much, we got several listeners send us photographs, I kid you not, of their husbands victoriously holding up packs of toilet paper. That's right. With the thumbs up emoji. Like one family said he sent it to his whole group text like their whole extended family group text her husband sent this picture of himself with the toilet paper saying who's your hero now yes yes (laughs) and then tanya was making yeah so funny and then tanya was making me laugh so much tanya's writing to us from canada she says which of course i could relate to because all of sports have been canceled in our family too of course she says oh my goodness Who needs sports because they're all canceled when grocery shopping has turned into a legit sport that requires play-by-play commentary? She says, last week, my poor husband decided he would be the one to do the weekly shopping. This is a task we would normally do together, but we've been asked by our healthcare officials to only send one family member to the store at a time. I don't think I appreciated how grocery shopping is a team sport. Brian went off to the store with the list I gave him and a brief discussion about any questions. He might have insert face palm, and what followed was a two hour, two hour, she says, ordeal that has been forever archived in my text messages. Poor Brian must have crisscrossed the grocery store 4 times backtracking to pick up what he forgot from the list or what I forgot to put on the list. We've learned a few things. We truly are better together. <laughs> we also learned that I will be the one who goes to the store from now on because I am the keeper of all the things of the food and the lists that we like in our home.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness, he is. He's that victorious hunter gatherer. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds me that okay, we're we're trying to laugh and Hard times, but there are legitimately things to see and receive and be grateful for in this season. There are gifts. And I really appreciated this story from our uh, community member, Anna. She said, um, she shared a number of things, but the one that really struck me, she said, I'm so thankful to God for the stress that has been lifted off my husband's shoulders. Mm. He no longer has a long commute to get to work. No open plan working environment where he struggles to concentrate. Man, I could relate to that. Yeah. And we, we get to enjoy a family lunch together every single day. He is so much happier, not so exhausted, and gets to go out for his bike rides much earlier. Seeing him so rested and happy makes me so happy too. The girls are also loving seeing more of him, and I am so thankful for his help teaching the girls maths. Um, oh, yes. I don't know. Like Anna, I'm just so glad she shared that because yeah, I feel like this morning when you and I sat down together, all I could see was the bad and the hard. And those things are there and we're not we're not saying they aren't. We are not um minimizing them at all. I think you and I are just trying to sit here and see maybe more of the whole picture, and the whole Mm -hmm. picture does include this story as well. It includes the fact that Anna's husband has been given this incredible gift of this time, perhaps limited, where so many stresses are lifted off his shoulders. I mean, all those people who are battling long commutes um, every day. I have a friend I can think of right now, Jen. Who has a super long, difficult commute, and she's working at home now, and that's right. really awesome. Oh, that makes that's me so, so great for her
1: because yeah. we've often talked about the nightmare of that commute.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess it, it's really helpful for me today to realize that when we're in community, when we're sharing stories with one another, when we stay connected, and we speak honestly about what's really going on in our lives. Without worrying, like we asked for these stories. So Anna didn't worry, like, oh, I can't share how this is actually a good thing for me because that might hurt other people who are having such a hard time. I, we need all the stories. We need to right. share honestly what's hard and hurtful. And we need to share honestly what's good and beautiful because it really blesses me to know that in Anna's life, and I don't know her personally face to face, I don't know her husband. And yet I feel like I can see him and I feel like I can give thanks as well that mm. this. This has this good gift for him. So I don't know. It's just the bigger picture.
1: And I think what's been really beautiful in that regard, too, have been the stories coming in from parents with adult children, with grown children. Because here you and I are still in the stage where we are so, our kids are so dependent on us and we are stretched taking care of them. But there are two stories here from two different parents who had been away when the epidemic started and had to come back to the U.S. and just how their grown children cared for them. I get tears in my eyes, Christy, every time I read it because I imagine, oh, my gosh, my Jackson or my Zoe one day are going to (laughs) hopefully do this if it were us. So Joy sent this beautiful story. She said we had gone away and then the things had escalated. Flights got canceled and eventually we got a rescue flight home. Our eldest son met us, and this is my favorite part of the story, with two cups of tea <laughs> and three bags of shopping. Then we stopped off at my next eldest on the way home and picked up another huge bag of food and toilet paper. Mm-hmm. And he brought around some more food today. I could self-isolate for a year on our provisions. Mm. I am so fortunate to have three amazing sons who care so much. And isn't that so beautiful? It's boys, too. There's yeah. something about, like it's not just the daughters you know these big grown sons who are taking care of their mom and their dad and here's another one this is from Rachel she says I returned home from a stressful trip to Europe and my daughter had so thoughtfully and lovingly prepared for my arrival snacks water disinfectant wipes in the car when she picked (laughs) me up at the airport a newly cleaned house which is my ultimate love story right there soup in the crock pot brownies freshly laundered sheets and flannel jammies, even a grocery store bouquet. How wonderful to be so known and so cared for.
0: Wow. I mean, the things that are happening in, in families right now, Yeah, it's really, really beautiful. I love this little anecdote from Delcy. Um, she said, so I happen to have my sister's Disney Plus account. And I logged in on my oh, parents' nice. right TV. there is
1: an important statement right there. Yes,
0: <laughs> it's Disney, like how, yeah. Raise your twirls. hand if Disney Plus is saving your life right now. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Disney for thank you for sending Frozen Two to streaming. We are all grateful.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! So um, but Delcy says
0: so. She logged in on her parents' TV, so she is um, an adult child, but she is with her parents. And so um, she said, "'It's been such a joy to experience cartoons with my dad.'" He puts on the old Disney shorts like Chip and Dale and Donald Duck and just sitting next to him while he laughs his butt off has been so (laughs) uplifting and his commentary is to die for. I love that. So even the adult parents and children are being blessed by Disney (laughs) Plus.
1: Yes, they're all returning to their inner six-year-old. I love that. Well, speaking of things that make us laugh, Barb, you made me laugh so hard. She sent us an email (laughs) with just one sentence when we had asked for a viewer story Listener stories. She says, this is from Barb, the most unused item during quarantine 2020 bras.
0: Oh, (laughs) yes. Uh, Yeah, actually.
1: (laughs) The comfort of being forced to work from home in our comfy clothes every day is a real thing. I'm so grateful for it. Oh, gosh. But speaking of movies and comfy viewing, Melissa sent us this great story that made me so happy because it looks like, remember, last week we recommended two. One was a movie, one's a TV show for families to watch together. And so she and her family had watched The Biggest Little Farm that we shared about. She says, hi, ladies. I just loved this week's episode. Hang in there. My seventh grade daughter has been raising chickens this year through her school's FFA program, and she's done a great job of taking care of them since they were three days old. That is my eight-year-old daughter's dream right there. She keeps trying to convince me that since we're quarantined, now is the time to get chickens and pigs. (laughs) And pigs, wow. <laughs> I know. And she goes on, a few months ago, my mom watched a movie and decided that my daughter had to watch it. So she ordered the DVD for us and has been begu- has been bugging her to watch it ever since. This week, we started modified homeschooling, like all of us. And I told my 13-year-old that her agri-science lesson for Monday was watching this movie her grandma had sent months ago. We absolutely loved it. And it happened to be the movie we had recommended, The Biggest Little Farm. Really? Isn't that wild?
0: Oh my goodness! That's I know. So, so if you so want to sweet. add it
1: for your homeschool curriculum, the biggest little farm, and I think it was now I forget where it was on. I think it was on Hulu.
0: It, it, yes, I watched it on Hulu. So right after, I oh, think you the same did day. watch it. Oh, Ooh. yeah, yeah. That night I watched it. I watched it, I forget, I think everyone else was watching Frozen 2 or something. Um, <laughs> so I watched it on my own. But as soon as it ended, I told Jonathan, I really want all of you to watch this with me. I think the kids would really enjoy it. So we haven't watched it together as a family yet, but maybe soon. Because oh, I just loved it so you loved it, much. Right? Oh, yeah, it was could. so I'm inspiring. So glad. Yeah, and it reminded me, because of course you had said this last week, that it makes you just want to go out and dig in the dirt and be outside, and it made me extra grateful that at least where I am here at Maplehurst in Pennsylvania, all of this, you know, this hard new reality is exactly coinciding with the arrival of spring. I mean, exactly. So the first big sign of spring here at Maplehurst is when the huge old saucer magnolia blooms. And our first week of quarantine is exactly when those blooms started to open. And right now, I'm actually, I'm I'm turning away from my microphone and peering over my shoulder out the little office window here on the third floor. And the whole window is just filled with silvery pink flowers from this tree mm-hmm. out there. And I don't know, I feel like, call it a coincidence, sure, but I don't know. i I just tend to listen to signs like that, and I feel like it is a sign of hope and promise and um, and so yeah, watching that documentary, I was so grateful that it is spring and I can get out and and do some work in the garden and um, that just feels that's always a good gift, but that is an extra good gift at this I agree. time.
1: I mean I I feel like it's one of the ways I I always tend to look at the world in all these deeper levels as, you know, some days we, are, we tend to it more than others, but when we think about what's happening on a spiritual level, you know, when mm-hmm. we imagine the forces at play and it just feels to me there's a darkness we're fighting against and I think one of the ways God fights back is that this is all happening though in His season of spring, mm-hmm. in His season of new life, in His you know, we have a fear right now. The whole world, I think, is gripped by a fear of sickness and disease and death, and yet here we are in spring, Mm -hmm. the season of life, and God, we believe our God says that He comes to give us life, and not just life, life in abundance, life to the full. And so Zoe and I walked down yesterday and took a little walk on our neighborhood road, and there are just clumps of daffodils everywhere, Mm -hmm. and I kept showing them to her, and It's just amazing that in the midst of all the darkness, there's this um, really clear picture of sunshine and light and brightness, and we just picked handfuls of these daffodils Mm. and brought them home. And this morning when I got up to record with you and I was feeling so heavy in my spirit, like there's this bright jar of sunshine that just feels like God's reminder to us that He is in control in the same way that He moves from season to season. The whole earth moves with Him and His created order It was a reminder to me on the days that feel out of control that God is never out of control. And any Mm -hmm. sense of control I've had in the past has been an illusion. Mm -hmm. And I have to trust the Creator the way the daffodils do.
0: Yeah. I feel like I've realized this week that sickness is chaotic. Mm
1: -hmm. Life
0: at home (laughs) with all these kids is chaotic. But God's love, the love that animates everything, that holds the whole world together, that is right now holding you and holding me and holding everyone, is the opposite of that. It is not chaos. It is stillness, and it mm. is deep-rootedness, and it is, I don't know, it's movement, but it's not chaotic. It, Like you said, it goes before us. It knows everything that's coming before we do, and and we can rest in it, and um I'm just feeling that seesaw tension a lot right now, kind of up and down, feeling the chaos, because it is right there. It's like those disciples on their boats, you know, and the storm is there, and yeah. the waves are high, and the boat is rocking. And yet there is Jesus sleeping at the end of the boat and showing us what is possible. It is possible to rest. It is possible to to be still. It is possible to um, go on believing and having hope and having faith and— um, mm. I don't know. Maybe that'll be the emblem for me going forward. On the one hand, my saucer magnolia in full bloom, and on the other, that image of Jesus asleep in the boat. Um, I want to rest like that and trust like that without denying that these waves are high and they are scary and and that, that that's a hard place to be.
1: And I think what's been hopeful for me, too, is just stories from around the world. You know, I know we've all seen those viral video clips of people having, you know, opera singing from their balconies in Italy. Or I saw one of a guy leading a Zumba class, you know, from Uh his apartment and all the other people participating. Like, um, we've received multiple stories from different listeners of You know, kids who've had birthdays and then friends who've driven up and stood outside the houses and danced and left balloons or chalk messages on driveways. But there've also come stories from other parts of the world, even to us. We got a beautiful email from West Africa from Senegal from Ewan, and she's actually from Holland originally, and she and her husband are storytellers and filmmakers, and they live in Senegal. And she sent us this beautiful story that she hoped would give us hope. She said it was beautiful and funny. One of their co workers had traveled by plane from Senegal to Mali just weeks before the African government started to take rapid action to stop the spread of the virus. She said the day our French coworker found out his flight back home to Senegal was canceled, he quickly bought a bus ticket that would take him hopefully 24 hours instead of the 2-hour flight back home to Senegal and he said well bus trips in Africa are not so secure or as reliable as they are in the West which I know from first hand experience and after just an hour of driving the bus stopped because of lack of maintenance and just kept stopping and stopping and the fifth oh. time they were stuck along the side of the road they got their luggage they started walking to the nearest town and praying and asking God for help and after they prayed two men stopped beside them and gave them a lift in their car and then they found another bus it's kind of like trains what's the planes oh, trains, trains and automobiles yes. <laughs> it's like one of those crazy movies and they basically just kept moving from bus wow. to bus from hitchhiking car to the next person. Over and over again, there were so many different people who stopped to help them. And what I love about this is when they had found this empty bus with destination Dakar, they convinced the driver not only to take them, but to drive back and pick up the passengers from the original bus. And those passengers were so surprised and grateful that our co-workers came back and got them. Isn't that so beautiful? Oh, I love it sort of leapfrogged their way and finally ended up (laughs) in an empty bus and had it come back and pick up everybody to drive all of them together. And man, Christy, that attitude of remembering to love our neighbors as ourselves, right? That ability to keep thinking of other people. What does it look like to celebrate other people? And so, yeah, Beth was one of the ones who shared about a birthday party that got celebrated by neighbors who came over and they had people drive by their house all day just honking so he would know it was for him for his birthday. And then our friend Amy had shared too about just going outside and drawing chalk signs on neighbors or family members' doorsteps to let them know that they they're loved and they're still seen and celebrated
0: oh it is it's so beautiful and these are the kinds of beauties that now's the time to see them they aren't available to us in in other times I um so Elizabeth uh, a listener responded and um she has eight siblings apparently so they have this family text group going, which I feel like a lot of us can relate to. You've got your family, I've got my family text, you know, WhatsApp conversation going. So they have this, and she shared a couple of great things that they've been doing together. Um, But this really struck me. She said, one day we passed around riddle puzzles. So that's fun. I like that. Yeah, trying to guess the answers. And she said, a favorite was this. What statement makes a sad person happy and makes Mm -hmm. a happy person sad? And the answer is this. Actually, let me say it again, because this is really profound, I think. What statement makes a sad person happy and makes a happy person sad? The answer is, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Oh, wow. So, I, yeah, right? I love that because sickness and death and all the really hard, awful stuff, it will pass. But at the same time, you know, Anna's husband who's home without a commute and having lunch every day with my family, the things that are really good, the blooming tree outside my window, it's so ephemeral here today and gone tomorrow, um, it too will pass. So I I just want to pause and say, oh my goodness, this is a good gift for today. And it's just for today because it won't be here tomorrow, but it is a good gift for today.
1: Oh, What a wonderful line to end on, I think, Christy. Mm -hmm. This too shall pass. Mm -hmm. I'm really going to hold on to that this week. When my kids are screaming, I will say, this too shall pass. (laughs) When they're being delightful and snuggly, I'll feel sad and think, oh no, this too shall pass. pass. What a powerful statement to think about. And I just want to take a moment to thank everybody who took time to share your stories. We weren't able to share all of them today on the podcast, but we've read all of them. So they've really crawled up into our own hearts and become Part of our story. That's what it means to be a body, right? Mm-hmm. We carry each other's stories. We carry each other's hopes and tears and joys. And we walk together this really strange unknown path of what the future holds. And I guess under the banner of the banner of God's love and his promise to us. And yet those words too that this too, this too shall pass.
0: Mm-hmm. This too shall pass and One day, hopefully soon, Lisa Joe, you'll be back here at Maplehurst and we will record (laughs) face-to-face because this too shall pass.
1: If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image.
0: And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend. Click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.